Our scripture this morning comes from the very end of Galatians 5 through Galatians 6, and we'll be concluding our study in the book of Galatians today. Starting in Galatians 5, 26, Paul writes, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is called in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. One who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked, for whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially those who are of the household of faith. This is the word of the Lord. Before we begin, I want to open us in prayer once more as we study God's Word, but I also want to pray for uh, Steve Mullins. As you may know, he has uh, departed to Macedonia again on a mission trip. And anytime we send our member out, whether it be to Macedonia or to another state or whatever assignment that God may have them on, we want to pray a blessing and we want to pray for fruitfulness as they are sent out to represent not only our church, but more importantly, represent Christ. And So let's pray for Him this week and today as we open the Word together. Let's pray. God, we do pray for our brother. I pray You would strengthen him as he makes the flight to Macedonia and seeks to work with medical professionals there. I pray that you would increase his influence there, that you would open up great opportunities for conversation, not only about the discipline of pathology, but also what you've done for them uh, through your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray you would use Steve and others that are going over into that country to uh, spark an awakening, spark a, a, a desire to know Christ and to make him known, that your church would expand there, the gospel reach would expand as a result of his efforts and the efforts of those that he is with. We pray for uh, protection for him, that you would bring him back safely, as well as all of those who have been sent out, even if they're on vacation, or whatever they may be. Lord, I pray that we would represent you at all times, everywhere, that people may see that we bear the marks of Christ and we are his. Lord, teach us what that means even now as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I was watching this movie the other day. It was one of those movies that kind of makes you feel uncomfortable because it's one of these movies that is about this worldwide epidemic, a virus that breaks out that threatens to kill the entire human population. <laughs> these, Celia doesn't like these movies, my wife. You know, she just, she's really not into this type of movie, but I, I'm fascinated by this type of thing uh, at times. And so I'm watching this movie. It's called Contagion. And 
the whole idea of this movie is that it traces the beginnings of this virus that threatens to wipe out humanity. And it makes its way from Hong Kong into the United States and across the world. And much like every virus that we know of, you have the virus that somehow gets inside of you and begins to do its work and then symptoms develop, right? And then these symptoms develop and that tells you, okay, something's wrong. Something happened inside and it's producing these outward symptoms. And with this movie and other movies like it, these symptoms are are not good. They're deadly and you don't want this virus. Um, But on the flip side of that, that, that whole process of being infected with something, something going inside, doing its work, and then producing outward symptoms sounds very similar to what Paul has been writing here in the letter of Galatians. Especially in chapter 5, after he has clarified the gospel message and that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. That it's only through Christ that our sin has been washed away like we sung earlier. It's only through Christ and we respond to Him by faith. It's not anything that we do that we are washed clean. We are put in the family of God. We've been adopted. And then he says, not only have you been adopted, but you've been given the Holy Spirit. And all through Galatians 5 and into Galatians 6, Paul is saying, you have been infected with the Spirit of God. And when the Spirit of God does its work in you, symptoms develop. And in chapter 5, he said, the type of symptom that develops, he calls it the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Something's happening inside, in your soul, who you are. Your identity is being changed. God is at work in you. He's not only adopted you, but He's changing you to become more like Christ. This is happening inside as we are led by the Spirit, as we walk in the Spirit. Because what we see is belief affects behavior. And there's a number of reasons why you do what you do. Okay, For example, I, I was watching this other sh- the show and this guy was t- talking about his testimony. He was saying how uh, you know, he worked for this telemarketer company and uh, the FBI raided this company one day and found out this company had been involved with some money laundering and so their practices were illegal. And they told this man, this man named Stephen, he said, Stephen, if you would just give us some information that would incriminate your, your friends here, we'll let you go. And he said, I can't do that. And so he decided to go to prison for 18 months rather than incriminate his friends, even though the activity was illegal. But he's making the point, he said, I wasn't raised that way. We don't rat out our friends. Okay? So his behavior, his conviction was based on how he was raised, he said. And that may be how you are. There are certain things you do, decisions you make that are based on this is what your parents taught you. Or this is what the culture taught you. Or this you read... William Bennett's Book of Virtues. And some, some story stood out to you, and that's, how, that's your philosophy of life. And so whatever you believe has produced certain behavior. Okay, What Paul says is for the Christian, all that other stuff is out the window. What the basis is for our behavior and decision is God and His Word. Everything else must submit to that. Parents, Government, culture, book of virtues, 
Hammurabi's code of ethics, you know, whatever it may be, it all bows to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And so he says, for the Christian, the Holy Spirit is our guide, and God's Word is our direction. And as we are led by the Spirit, we will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, we'll start producing fruit in line with the character of God and the purposes of God. And what we see in chapter 6 of Galatians is Paul is going to go into this in a little more detail as far as how that relates to our interactions with one another and life. In other words, he's going to share with you some symptoms of being infected by the Holy Spirit. And the first one he talks about, the symptom is how we deal with different types of burdens. He starts in verse 26 and he says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness, keeping watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So first of all, he says, one symptom of being infected by the Spirit of God is that you do not provoke one another, you do not envy one another, you do not... Uh, you're not conceited. In other words, you don't have a false view of yourself, some you know, uh, glorified view of yourself. In other, in other words, you think of yourself better than you actually are. But also you don't think of yourself worse than you are and envy other people. And so what he's saying here is in Christ, if your identity is in Christ and not in comparison to other people, if your identity is in Christ, that frees you up to be able to love but I, if, I, if I know I'm secure in Christ, I'm free to love you, not compare myself to you. Not wish that you were more like me or wish that I was more like you. If I'm secure in Christ, I'm free to love you and not provoke you, envy you, or be conceited. And then he says, brothers, if anyone's caught in a transgression then we should restore that brother or that sister in Christ. And so, one of the symptoms of being affected by the Spirit is how we deal with the burden of sin. The first part there is if we're secure in Christ, we're free to love. So we need our identity in Christ. The second part here is if we see a brother and sister in sin, and what I mean by that is if we see them acting in a way inconsistent with the character of God or the purposes of God, we should seek to restore them. In other words, we want to seek to bring them to a place of health. And this idea of restoring is the same word used in Matthew chapter 4 when uh, we see the fishermen mending their nets. You know, they've been using their nets, they get torn, and so they bring them back onto the shore and they mend them, they make them right again. They bring them back to a restored position. Now, we all have friends and family, and you may be one of these people. I'll be able to tell once I start sharing this and someone looks over at you and rats you out. But we all know people like this, that when they get sick, they do not want to go to the doctor. I see some heads moving sideways. You have been ratted out. 
No matter, you know, it's just they, something about, they just do not, I'm not going to the, I am not going to the doctor, I'm not going to the hospital. And then at some point, if they continue to get worse, at some point, you or someone close to them convinces them you need to go to the doctor. Why? Because we realize you're dealing with something that you need to have treated or it's just going to keep getting worse. And so that's what Paul's saying here. He's saying, in the church, if we see our brothers and sisters in Christ dealing with something that, you know, they're falling into something, they're behaving in a way, they're talking in a way, whatever it may be, inconsistent with God's character and His purposes, we need to convince them and show them that they need to be restored. They need to turn to Christ. They need to see that their behavior is not consistent with God's character and the purposes of God. However, when we see one another act in this way, inconsistent, we tend to respond in two other ways. Instead of restoring, we retreat in two ways. One, we have the mindset of Cain. You remember Cain and Abel? When God went to Cain after he killed his brother, and he said, Cain, where's your brother? And Cain said, Am I my brother's keeper? So that tends to be one of our responses when we see one another fall into sin. We say, yeah, that's, that's not my business. You know, who am I to get involved with, with that? Or maybe chalk it up to, you know, that's just the way they are and that's just their personality or whatever it may be. But that's one response. We, we tend to retreat and say with Cain, am I my brother's keeper? Yet Paul says we should restore one another. And the second way that we tend to retreat is that instead of talking to them, we talk around them. And so instead of saying, you know, Ron, I see this in your life and I want to talk to you about it. Let's, let's work through it so you can be restored. We want to talk around. Maybe, maybe say, well, you know, Bob, you need to go talk to Ron. <laughs> I don't really want to talk to him. And and on the one hand, you may say, well, doesn't Paul give some qualifications as to who should confront someone if if they've fallen into a transgression? And he says there actually is a qualification. Not everyone necessarily needs to confront a brother or sister in Christ and seek to restore them. He says only you who are spiritual. Meaning, as he has unpacked this already in Galatians 5... Only you who are walking with the Lord should seek to restore brother and sister in Christ. If you're not walking with the Lord, don't worry about it. But if you're walking with the Lord, then it's your responsibility to help your brother and sister be restored and to walk consistently with the gospel. One pastor summed this up well. He said, Christian relationships are governed not by rivalry, but by service. So one of the symptoms of being infected by the Holy Spirit is that we serve one another. And that includes seeking to restore one another when we go astray. Another symptom is not only how we deal with the burden of sin, but how we deal with the burdens of life. In verse 2, Paul writes... Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill 
the law of Christ, which it's interesting that it uses that term, the law of Christ, because all throughout the book of Galatians, he's been saying, you cannot be saved through the law. <laughs> Don't try to be saved through the law. That's not how you are saved. It's only through Christ. And then he says, in Christ, you can actually fulfill the law of Christ, which is to love God and love others. And one of the ways we do that, one of the symptoms external signs that we're actually doing that is that we bear one another's burdens. And these could be family burdens, they could be financial burdens, health burdens, burdens of circumstance. These are just the burdens of life. And so you had a couple of friends um, that she went to nursing school with and they just moved up the street about a block. We got a call last week and then you know, got to call, see, you got this telephone call from her and said, uh, I need help moving my dining room table into my house. In other words, they're wanting me to come up there, um, you know, for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, it's just available. I was home is why. And actually, I was a last resort, they said. But anyway, they called. I was, they couldn't get a hold of anyone else, they said, so they called, they called us. Because I am one of the older friends of the group. Um, so anyway, I got the call, and this this dining room table was built by her brother, and it was made by the with several of these like two by eights. And he's a welder, and so he he constructed a base made of steel, and he welded all this stuff together to hold up this thing. It was nine feet long. I got there, and I thought, oh, because I'm thinking dining room table, no problem. We can do that. I got there and I thought, wow, this thing weighs like 500 pounds. <laughs> this is a huge... Why did he use steel? Why did he use like aluminum you know, or something like that? And he's a welder. I guess he wanted to weld steel. So anyway, she calls. And what she's basically saying is, in so many words, I have this burden and I cannot bear it myself. And so I need some help. I need some people to come up underneath it to help me carry it. And actually it took five of us. Five of you to come up underneath it to carry this burden in the house. Now, what if I would have said, you know, yeah, I, I don't mind helping, but I don't want to get out of my car. So I'll pull up to the house, but I'm not getting out of the car. But she's like, don't bother. Because <laughs> that's not going to help bear the burden. My point is, in order to bear the burdens of life with those around us in the church... We have to be close enough to the people. You can imagine a heavy load on someone's shoulder. If you're going to help lighten that load, you have to put your shoulder up underneath that burden. About be attacked by this flying, whatever it was. But you have to bear this, the weight of this, whatever the burden is. You cannot do it from a distance. And so what I see here is that one of the symptoms of being affected by the Holy Spirit is that we're willing to bear the burdens of life with one another, help one another. And what this also tells me is that it's very difficult for us to bear one another's burdens if we do not know one another. And I've said before that it's, it's hard to get to know one another sitting in rows. We have to sit in circles. And the way that happens is in a small group setting like Sunday school or small group Bible study. And that's one reason why I continue to stress the need of being part of a small group because it's in those Sunday school classes 
that the majority of our burden bearing takes place. So we have the burden of sin and we see how if you're infected by the Holy Spirit, how you deal with that and the people around you. We see the burdens of life and how we deal with that. We bear those burdens with them. And another symptom is just the burden of choice found in verses 3 through 5. Paul writes, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. And this is what I believe Paul's saying here. On the one hand, this is not about your salvation, okay? We, we've already established throughout the book of Galatians that it's by faith alone in Christ. You are in the family of God. But now you are what you call a steward of what God has given you. And each one must give an account to the Lord for what he or she does with what he or she has been given. And this is a burden that only you can bear. There are certain burdens that we can share with one another and we can help each other with. But there are other burdens that only you can bear. In other words, the burden of choice. When you stand before the Lord, you are not going to be given an account for my choices, but for yours. And so this is a burden that you alone can bear. So if you've been affected by the Holy Spirit, it affects how we relate to burdens, the burden of sin, the burden of life, the burden of choice. And another symptom of a life that is infected by the Spirit of God is how we live life, how we view life, how we walk through life. And we see in verses 7 through 10 this principle of sowing and reaping. Paul says in verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. And what we see here is that in the fabric of the creation, there is a principle of sowing and reaping. So if you have a garden in your backyard, and you go and plant a tomato seed, you are not going to grow a watermelon. Right? That which you sow... You will reap. So you, you're not going to reap something different than what you sowed. You sowed a seed, a tomato seed, you're not going to get a watermelon. You, know, you sow a pepper seed, you're not going to get strawberries. I don't care what you do to that seed. You know, what type of fertilizer you put on, how much water you put on, how great the soil is. You're not getting strawberries out of a pepper seed. And so what he's saying here is, if you sow to the flesh, you're going to get something. And if you sow to the Spirit, you're going to get something different. And I want you to just imagine your life like a farm, okay? You have this, your life is a farm. And you have these two fields. One is the field of the flesh. And what I mean by flesh, it's, it's that part of us that wants to do life without God, without concern of who God is, uh, His Word, His ways. We want to just separate ourselves from that. So this is the the field of the flesh. And then we have the the field of the spirit. And then the seeds are your choices, your actions. Okay. And Paul says, on the one hand, on verse 8, For one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. So as you sow your, your choices and your actions over here in the field of the flesh, 
you will reap corruption. That's what's going to happen. Temporally and eternally. If you're outside of Christ, if you don't even have this field of the Spirit in your life, then all you can reap is corruption. And we've seen this on on an extreme scale with even people in our own lives that, you know, just do their own thing and focus on themselves and how it brings about corruption. So on the one hand, if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. And if you sow to the Spirit, in verses in verse 8, the latter part of verse 8 it says, But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And so your life, even in Christ, is made up of these two fields. And we can sow to the flesh, or we can sow to the Spirit. And if we sow to the flesh, we'll reap corruption. In other words, the things that we see come out will not last. They're not of eternal value. They're not glorifying to God. Or we can reap to the Spirit. We can sow in the Spirit. And what we'll reap is things of eternal value. Godliness. The fruit of the Spirit. And so what I want you to imagine is, imagine going out your back door and you're looking over the garden of your life. And there are two plants growing there. You have the vegetables... And then what else is growing there? The weeds. And the question is, what are you going to do with that? If you're a Christian, and you see these two things growing in your life, are you going to nurture and choose to to seek to to grow and, and sow to the field of the Spirit? Or are you going to allow the weeds to continue to grow and suck the nutrients out of your life? So every day, moment by moment, we're making that choice. Are we going to sow in the field of the flesh or in the field of the Spirit? Then Paul sums up this section in verse 10 when he says, So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So he expands it a little bit here. And he says, okay, we need, we need to do good not only to the church, but to everyone, but especially those who are in the church, the believers. And then lastly, the last symptom that we see, if your life is infected by the Holy Spirit, Paul concludes this letter by discussing what you boast in. He says in verses 11 through 13, See with what large letters I'm writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they, de- but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. And as you may know, in Galatia there were these false teachers that had come in And they were teaching something contrary to the gospel. And Paul's saying these people are boasting in a few things. One, they're boasting in comfort. In other words, they're seeking to teach something that is not going to get them persecuted. By teaching you need to be circumcised, they're not going to be on the outs with the Jews. They're not going to be persecuted because of their teaching. So they're going to be in this area of comfort. And on the other hand, they're going to boast in their popularity. You know, they're they're going to say, look at all these people that have come over to our way of thinking. 
Paul's saying they're wanting to boast in, in your flesh, Galatians. And so the question is here, you know, what, what are you boasting in? What do you look to for significance? What has marked your life? I mean, do you find yourself boasting in your intellect or your ability or your appearances or your family or your traditions? Listen to what Paul says in verses 14 and 15. He says, but far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. What Paul's saying here is that the only thing that matters to him, ultimately, the only thing that he wants to be identified with, ultimately, is Christ and what Jesus has done for him on the cross. He says, I'm not going to boast in any of those things, but I am going to boast in the cross. Anything good that's in me, anything good that I've done, any fruitfulness that's, that's come through my life, it all goes back to what Christ has done. He's boasting in the cross. And the question is, you know, can I say, can you say, that what matters most to me is that I am connected to Christ? You know, am I boasting in the cross? Paul says, the world has been crucified to me. I mean, any, anything else that I could identify myself with has been crucified to me. Paul says, I only want to boast in the cross. So if you've been affected by the Holy Spirit, how we relate to one another has changed and how we live life will be changed because we'll be living for Christ. And Paul concludes by saying in verses 17 and 18, From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. See, Paul had the symptoms of being infected by the Holy Spirit. And so when you look at your life, when you look in the mirror, or when those, look, when those around you look at you, what symptoms do they see? How would they diagnose your symptoms? What's causing it? What's producing it? You know, do you bear the marks of Christ? Now, Paul literally could have shown you scars in his body because of his identification with Christ. Now, you may not have scars because you're a Christian. But at some point, every Christian needs to be public about who they are, right? I mean, they need to bear the mark of Christ follower. I am a Christ follower. If you're boasting only in the cross, how could your Christianity remain secret? Now, I heard one scholar say one time, he said, Christian discipleship is never secret because either the secrecy will destroy the discipleship or the discipleship will destroy the secrecy. Every man's Christianity should be visible by all. We all must bear the marks of Christ. In other words, 
the mark of being a Christ follower. And we should be seeing symptoms of being infected by the Holy Spirit. And Paul says that God is not mocked for whatever one sows, he will also reap. And I just want to close with this. You know, as we think about our own lives, what we sow, we will reap. And God, God sees you, He knows you, He knows your motivation, He knows your action, He knows your behavior, He knows what you do with what you have. And He says, God will not be mocked. In other words, you can fool some people, but you can't fool God. He sees you. He knows you. And He knows what He wants to do with you. He wants to make you more like Christ. And so the question is, will you let Him do that? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you? Are you willing to pull the weeds up out of your life? Turn them over to the Lord and seek to be fruitful for Him. You know, if you don't have Christ in your life, then all you are growing are weeds. It's only in Christ that we can produce the fruit of the Spirit. And what we've seen all through this letter is that our only hope for forgiveness, for fruitfulness, and eternal life is found in Jesus Christ. So if we are in Christ, let us walk by the Spirit. Let us pray. Lord, we come to You, God, recognizing that in our hearts, in our Lives, there is this field of the flesh and there is this field of the Spirit. If in fact we have been infected by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just ask that you would take the weeds of our lives, do away with them. Give us the strength to follow the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives, to submit ourselves to the Word of God, to the people of God. Lord, help us to produce fruit that will last Lord, thank You for Christ and what He's done for us. Thank You for this new life You've given us in Him. And I pray if there's anyone here who has not given their life to You, Lord, that they would trust You, that they would place their faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sin. And for those of us who are in Christ, may we walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.